the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in here today for Mr. Ed Martin. Happy to be with you. Uh, Glad to be with you on this beautiful Thursday. At least it's beautiful here in the Midwest. Pardon me. So a happy uh, Thursday to you uh, and a happy Pearl Harbor Day. Uh, It is a solemn uh, day of remembrance, but one nonetheless that we celebrate realizing the great uh, sacrifice and the great willingness of so many men uh, who have gone before us to fight for our values, to keep us free, to secure the freedom, the rights uh, that have been recognized here in this nation. We are grateful for uh, their sacrifice, and we are uh, always in honor of their memory, uh, recalling what they've done in special days, and uh, today, the 82nd anniversary of Pearl Harbor, certainly a special one, and we've got a little bit more, actually, would like to talk about. We're going to play here at the end uh, of the program, right before the final segment we've got our uh, commentary the daily commentary so we've got something there about pearl harbor i'll come back in but we'll circle back to that here at the end of the program i wanted to make sure i i led the show with that though and brought that up to our knowledge it's important that we remember these days uh, that we uh, remember uh, certain uh, singular points in our nation's history and that we honor uh, the people who have sacrificed for us uh, on our behalf even before uh, we were even here so a uh, happy pearl harbor day to you before we go any farther, let me remind you, go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, you can also go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. There you will find the podcast, the standalones, all of the past things from this program. You'll also find the show notes and the links uh, to everything that we're talking about. But most importantly, sign up for the email list. You'll excuse me, get yourself onto our Wink email distribution list every weekday morning. Uh, first thing in the morning, we send that Wink along, and it is something you do not want to miss. Uh, you will be very grateful uh, that you got on there. So uh, go over there, ProMarkerReport.com, com, and let's get into it. We've got a great show ahead today. Uh, Colonel Richard Kemp is going to be joined with us, a retired British Army commander. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about the Hamas-Israel uh, conflict that we're watching play out on our screens right now. And then a friend of the show, uh, Vijay Jayaraj, is going to be with us. He is a research associate at the CO2 Coalition, uh, our good friend over there, uh, Gregory Wrightstone. Uh, Vijay has been with us a little bit. He was also on our uh, Collegians program earlier this year, if you pay attention to the uh, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles side of our work. And uh, he's going to come and talk about virtue signaling against fossil fuels. <laughs> he's always a good one to have on. Lots of good information. So looking forward to those interviews. But before we get there, let me go ahead and give you uh, the wink today, the what you need to 
to know. Uh, there was obviously a big uh, a big uh, hullabaloo last night. One of the well, I say a hullabaloo. It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> it kind of underwhelms every time, and there's also fewer people every time. But uh, we've got our uh, uh, our new presidential debate, our vice presidential debate. Excuse me for being a little bit honest there. Uh, but we've got our vice presidential debate <laughs> that happened last uh, evening with four candidates on stage vying to replace the ever higher polling Donald Trump in the GOP nomination process for president and uh, it was a little bit uh, it was a little bit underwhelming i'm not going to lie uh, just a little bit underwhelming but uh, i tell you what one of the things that came forward from it uh, and oh, by the way, when I say underwhelming, it was underwhelming in the sense of new information or ideas. Uh, it was definitely a little bit of a bloodbath, I guess you could call it, in terms of political debate. It was certainly raucous at times. Uh, but something that came through, I think, is uh, that that brings forward our wink. And it actually ties into some of the stuff we've talked about this week that I've been able to talk about, how transparency is so important. Uh, and and here's, here's today's what you need to know, the, the, the real meat of the issue. What you need to know is when someone says far-right conspiracy or a right-wing conspiracy, that likely means it's true. It's something that's actually happening. In fact, it's something that the left probably started talking about first, if we're going to be completely honest. And this is one uh, This is one of those things. Last night, um, Vivek Ramaswamy, and, and, you know, this is no... This is not an ad for Vivek uh, Ramaswamy as, as a presidential candidate. This is something we've, we've talked about him quite a bit because he's really the only one outside of Trump that is talking about a very few key things as it relates to the deep state, as it relates to the establishment. And it's incredibly important. Anyone who gives that kind of information um, front and center time when they're given a huge platform like a presidential level debate, that's good by me. And, and that's something worth uh, talking about. And, and, and sending some, you know, praise to them. Good job for bringing these issues to the forefront. Uh, and that's what he did last night, actually, a, a very specific one. Um, he had a big tirade. And, of course, if you if you watched, and we don't have to recap it here. By the way, if you want to recap a little bit of it, uh, you can go over. I'll, I'll give a little shameless self-promotion here. Head on over to the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles YouTube channel or the um, Rumble channel. But if you type in Unauthorized Caucus, you will find uh, my weekly live program that happens Thursdays at noon uh, rumble youtube facebook and twitter and periscope if periscope is technically what's back yet i'm not sure but you'll find that today we did a lot of bit of, uh, a lot of bit of the uh, recap of the debate we meant to do a little and then it just turned into a lot but one of them in the midst of these back and forths between uh, Vivek and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie, uh, Vivek took an opportunity to call out uh, several key issues and dropped some, what did Benny Johnson call it? Truth nukes. <laughs> Not just truth bombs, truth nukes. And it's a really interesting, just about a minute and a half, and he talks about how uh, these things that are not being talked about, these things that we must talk about, that the establishment doesn't want to admit, they have to be given uh, some of the limelight. And he actually goes on to name them, says that, you know, you're crazy not to even even consider the possibilities, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, that January 6th was an inside job, that the 2020 election was stolen, at least by social media, uh, that the government has lied for years about 9-11 and in the lead up to 9-11, uh, and that things like the Great Replacement, it's not a conspiracy theory, it's literally the words taken from the left and and stuff that we started talking about, and then of course they said, oh no, 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 that's just a, a, a right-wing conspiracy theory. No, it's not. You people coined the 
the phrase. You coined the phrase itself. Uh, it's it's just absolutely incredible uh, when you start looking at some of this. So that's there's the what you need to know. I, I, I mean, Vivek is the only one, at least on that stage, uh, on the Republican side, going after the Democrat, uh, going after the um, deep state, going after the efforts of the establishment to stay in power, to undermine people like Donald Trump, who have cut their power down. And media pundits, the ivory towers of academia and media are very quick to trot out the label of far-right conspiracy theorist. And that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happened last night. But that's what you and I need to know is ignore that label. The people who are using it are not acting in good faith. They are not transmitting information to you in good faith. And think about it and, and you know, stop and listen. We're not talking about wild conspiracy theories like uh, what the, the lizard people, you know, the reptilian overlords that run our government, aliens building the pyramids and all this different. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about the fact that these things are outside of the party narrative of the Democrat Party or even out of outside the narrative of establishment Republicans. Things like, uh, as Vivek talked about and then we've talked about since, the great replacement theory. This Literally, this is a phrase that was taken from a leftist writer at the New York Times. Uh, what was the, the, the article uh, years ago? We can replace them. And, and it's quite, a, quite honestly talking about what we now call the great replacement uh, theory. And it's, it's just amazing to see... And we could go off into into descriptions and definitions of um, each one of these things, uh, but it's it's something that we need to understand. And you'll pardon me as I pull up notes here. It's something we need to understand that the left trotting out the phrase far right conspiracy is pretty much your light bulb to immediately assume that thing is true. <laughs> uh, and I don't think we're stretching too far when we say that. I, I'm pretty sure that we're about spot on because, I mean, sure enough, we'll, we'll talk about this here. You see the, 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 um, the Great Replacement, by the way, if this is something you're not familiar with, basically this is uh, it's being relegated by the media, by, again, the ivory towers of academia and media as some sort of white nationalist far-right conspiracy theory. But basically, we're talking about the complicity or the, um, the cooperation um, of these elites uh, who are literally looking to replace uh, demographically and culturally huge populations in places like Europe and places like America um, with uh, with different uh, tools like mass migration and all these other things. And if you look at it, it's like, well, this this seems a little bit far fetched, perhaps. But then you run down actual articles like this New York Times article, we can replace them, which describes in great detail how we can get rid of all these ridiculous draconian conservatives and, you know, all of the people in America that uh, believe in traditional marriage and going to church and all these different we can get rid of them if we just uh, you know find ways to, to kind of kill them off in the public sphere bring in more people to America and make sure that we're bringing in these folks who believe like us etc and so on it, you start to read and realize oh my gosh this is right this isn't a conspiracy theory not at all and sure enough Vivek brings that up he even says the phrase in this morning you go in and google the great replacement theory or not google I apologize for my millennial use of that as a verb go and do an internet search and you'll see places like wired.com and npr you know what is the great replacement theory why are white supremacists celebrating vivek ramaswamy's uh uh use of this word <laughs> white cons- white uh, supremacists celebrating vivek it's hilarious it's laughable 
That's what you need to know. When the, when the left tells you to ignore a far-right conspiracy theory, that thing is very likely true. You should go and look it up. So there's your what you need to know today, tying into the transparency thing we've been talking about all week, and that's what you need to take a look at. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. I don't want to take time from our guests. Uh, go get the podcast and the standalones there. Sign up for the email list and come on back right after the break here on the ProAmerica Report. We'll talk to you in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very grateful to have a chance uh, to visit with our next guest. I think we had him scheduled maybe uh, twice because this topic is important for me to hear someone who really understands. Colonel Richard Kemp is a retired British Army commander, uh, really served all over the world, uh, particularly in uh, well-known in Afghanistan, people would see in his uh, time in, in uh, the military, but also in in uh, in uh, various parts of the world, Africa, and, and uh, uh, also served uh, politically, in, at least in the sense that he was in in London and, and played a role at that level. So uh, first of all, Colonel, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm um, very well, thank you. And it's a real pleasure to join you and your listeners. Thank you. Um, I was um, interested, uh, yeah, your career span from 1977 all the way to 2006. I I, I was interested, I got sent a message by one of your team about you you commenting on the situation with hostages and, you know, for a British army commander, you've dealt with uh, over the, those decades, all kinds of situation, terrorism, all kinds of uh, full out blown wars. Um, and your, your take on this uh, Hamas, I'm particularly interested in this, that Hamas by asking for a pause to exchange hostages changed how the world could view them. And I think that's real. So tell me your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd say is that this is an incredibly tough situation for Israel. I'm in Israel now uh, and have been since the war began. Wow. Um, and and, and I've, 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 when I was working, you mentioned where I was working in the British government, I was involved in a number of hostage rescue situations myself, rescuing or attempting to rescue um, British citizens who have been kidnapped in Afghanistan and in Iraq by terrorists there. Um, and and just kind of an illustration of how tough this is is that we, I think I was involved in something like eight to ten something like that hostage rescue missions, and these were with some of the best special forces in the world, the British SAS and the British Special Boat Service as well, um, uh, working sometimes with our American special forces colleagues, and even with that quality of special forces, rarely did these missions succeed. They only involved normally maybe one, two people in each case, but rarely did this succeed. So when we're talking about the very large number of hostages held in Gaza, it's a hugely challenging situation. As far as the uh, the political perspective is concerned, I think one of the, obviously one of the reasons, the main reason, possibly the only reason Hamas pushed for the hostage release and ceasefire was to buy themselves breathing space because they were being, and still are now being, heavily hammered by the the Israeli defense force and and rightly too um and and they what they needed they needed time and, and and they hoped i think eventually that the ceasefire for hostage rescue would uh, for hostage release rather would um would become permanent because they know the only way they will survive is if the IDF does not continue attacking them uh, and 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 part of it is the point you're making which is if they're seen to have released hostages 
if they're seen to not only that, but they stage managed it so that the hostages appeared to TV cameras uh, filming them or to cameras filming them, that they were on friendly terms with the hostages, which, of course, is far from the truth. They forced the hostages to behave like that. So they would be seen as a, a more human, humanitarian, shall we say, organization, which people could be more sympathetic towards. And I think that was the goal. And I think it probably succeeded to some extent. Well, we're talking, our guest is uh, retired Colonel Richard Kemp, uh, a former British Army commander, experienced from the late 1970s all the way 2006 in the in the British Army, and then uh, experience in politics at the highest level, or maybe, um, say, public policy and, and engaging uh, government uh, affairs or government uh, operations, too, after that. Uh, so you pointed out, I mean, it, it's an impossible situation. That's why uh, hostages are so bad. If you're if you're the Israelis, you know you have to try to save your people. Um, but on the other hand, you're saying to yourselves, we have a we have a set of of military uh priorities and that's the one thing again and something that i was sent that you maybe a comment you made uh publicly nothing about this ceasefire or hostage exchange it will change or or maybe should change the idea for israel's uh focus in other words they cannot i think this is what they've said publicly they cannot allow uh hamas to exist in, it, it can't work anymore. If you thought it could work in the past, October 7th for Israel proved they couldn't. And and they will not stop until they achieve that military goal. The question I have for you is, and we watch it in America, and, and a lot of people blame TikTok or blame different things, but uh, an awful lot of uh, choppiness has come into the public sentiment. And and you, you're the military leader, but you can explain that, uh, you know, in, in modern era, in the modern era, you've got to hold the hearts and minds. And I don't think the Israeli people are saying go light on them, but the world is is uh, is being uh, buffeted. It, can, can you envision a scenario where, you know, OK, we got through this ceasefire. We're not going to do that again because we can't deal with the international and pressure yeah it's 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 extremely problematic for israel and uh, we've had pressure from the united states administration on israel to 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 basically to try and persuade them to make the ceasefire permanent to extend it until it sort of no longer until it uh, just continues indefinitely and also from the british government another even more so from the french so we've seen we've seen this pressure building and, and you know president biden on the one hand is saying i fully support Israel's defense, so Hamas should be destroyed. On the other hand, he's saying to them, stop doing it. He's, he's, he's really talking with two faces, I think, in this conflict. And, and, and the sort of thing that uh, is very, I, 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 makes me quite angry. I'm not Jewish, I'm not Israeli, but, but I know that uh, Israel is a very close ally for the UK and for the US and extremely important to us. And their democracy and freedom and, and ability to live without this threat is extremely important. Um, but, when, when you hear the likes of President Biden or our Prime Minister Sunak saying, I've, I've reminded the Israelis that they must adhere to the laws of armed conflict, they must minimize the civilians they're killing. And by saying that, they're implying that Israel is not doing so. And people, people pick up on that. Whereas the reality is, Israel does everything it can to minimize civilian casualties and is more effective at doing that than most of our armies are. So it's this, this kind of pressure is, is a huge problem. And, 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 and I think, you know, that period of the ceasefire, obviously, no one wants to see civilians die in Gaza. Everybody, every decent person wants to see the hostages released. But the period of the ceasefire brought big problems for Israel as well, apart from allowing Hamas to to regroup and, and get some breathing space. It also potentially risked the, the war just petering out and Hamas left intact to continue threatening Israel as it did before.
Yeah, it is. It, it's the problem of uh, it's the problem of these kinds of uh, uh, this kind of situation with hostages and also terrorism and and uh, um, um, it is really difficult. Um, Colonel Richard Kemp is our guest. Uh, served long time career in the military as well as then uh, in government, the highest levels. I just have a couple minutes left. I want to ask you about your experience as a as a um, a colonel and as a leader. Then because I saw a comment you made, which uh, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, used to speak about the International Criminal Court. And one of the great threats of the International Criminal Court in her mind, which, you know, the Europeans, uh, European Union and others will say we need to have this great international criminal court was the military and that they would target American military and they would say, hey, you know, we're going to now hold you accountable to our criminal law uh, court in another part of the world. You've spoken on that. I How, how big a problem is that sort of because you're, you're hearing echoes of that in this situation where people are saying, oh, the Israelis should be held uh, to, I mean, I think they concede, or maybe we all can concede the Hamas are murderous terrorists, but then they move on and say, oh, Israel could be held accountable. This problem of extra uh, sovereign uh, criminal courts and courts, uh, uh, when it comes to military superiority, the doctrine of of being strong and succeeding, it's a a big problem out there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely it is. And Britain made the big mistake of signing up to the International Criminal Court. The United States had more sense than to do that, and quite rightly, in my view. Um, because guess who the ICC turn on? Guess who their three <laughs> three of their most important targets are for prosecution? The United States, Great Britain, and Israel. And they've tried to bring prosecutions against all three countries, even though the US and Israel are not party to the International Criminal Court. Right. The, the ICC exists to... To, 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 to deal with uh, war criminals effectively who, um, whose own countries either refuse to uh, right. prosecute them or don't have the capability. That doesn't apply to Israel, the US or the UK. But nevertheless, it's Israel, US and the UK that are being targeted by these courts. And it's so predictable. It's so predictable yeah. because that, you know, it, and it's the same with the United Nations. The United Nations always looks to, <laughs> right. to, to have a jab at our countries and not real, real human rights offenders. Yeah. It's true. Well, unfortunately, I'm out of time. Colonel, thank you very much. I was, I'm was grateful you were suggested for us to speak to uh, Colonel Richard Kemp, retired uh, military leader in uh, Britain, in the UK, who is now also active in the world affairs and is right now in Israel. Uh, thank you for your perspective. We have to take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. I'll put a link up on uh, social media and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend, and I can say that now, Vijay Raj, is. Uh, uh, we, he and I have had uh, meals together when he came to the United States and lectured, and uh, we stay in touch. The, the world is a small place. We're able to stay in touch easily uh, through uh, WhatsApp and, uh, and texting. And he has um, is from India originally, is now living right now in Scotland, but is a... Uh, a research associate and uh, works over at uh, our friends at the CO2 Coalition. Uh, he's a research associate there, CO2Coalition.org. He himself uh, is a scientist, uh, environmental sciences, uh, a master's degree uh, studying in England, a prolific writer, and has two pieces. He texted me or WhatsApped me a couple links, uh, one running in the Washington Times uh, and another, I forget now, oh, in uh, Daily Caller. And so uh, welcome back, BJ. How are you? 
Thanks, Ed. Great to be on your show. And yes, I'm good. Uh, so um, first, what is happening um, with this uh, uh, COP conference? We see a lot of coverage of it. What's your impressions? Um, what are your thoughts? What should we be taking away from this? I mean, the one thing that people can take away from the COP meetings, uh, which is the short form for Conference of Parties, yep. it's literally a United Nations annual climate meeting. Uh, so it's it's the same story has been happening year after year. Uh, you have big economies, uh, countries that have huge energy demand, which can be met only with fossil fuels. But uh, they just sit in these uh, climate meetings and conferences all over the world where you have a huge uh, coalition of Western uh, uh, leadership and politicians who want these countries to forgo their fossil use, but then they are unable to do so. So it's just uh, virtue signaling and just uh, a lot of diplomacy and a lot of activism per se, but but not nothing much happens there except like, you know, uh, some kind of uh, euphoria and and uh, news about yeah. uh, the world transitioning away from fossil fuels, but uh, they uh, fail to recognize what's happening in in big economies of our world. Um, we're talking with Vijay Raj again, uh, a research associate over the CO two coalition, CO two coalition uh, dot uh, org. Uh, actually, did I get that right? Yes, dot org. Um, uh, you have a piece running over the Washington Times, Economic, economic Progress and Fossil Fuels, the Elephant in the Room, uh, referring to this conference where everyone's gathered and having, as you say, virtue signaling each other. Uh, but it, economic progress and fossil fuels is the real question. Um, what is your point here in this piece? And what, um, again, what should we be really focusing on while all these virtue signalers are gathered? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the history of economic development, you will see that the West uh, Europe and North America, uh, the industrial era helped them to achieve the economic success and the fruits of economic success that they are enjoying today. And uh, the argument is that, well, we can do the same with the renewable, using renewable energy, uh, but that's not the case. So a lot of developing economies, especially the big ones like India, China and others, uh, they depend on fossil fuels, just like the West did earlier. And uh, that's because in uh, uh, energy intensive industries, they need a uh, high base load and they need more than just electricity and you need coal, oil and gas for that. And these cannot be met with intermittent sources like wind and solar. So that's, that's the crux of the matter here. Uh, we are dealing with high energy demand and you need that demand to create sustained economic growth. Uh, we're again, Vijay Raj, our guest. He's a research associate over at the CO2 Coalition, co2coalition.org. You can see his writings there as well as a lot more. Our friend Gregory Wrightstone is the executive director there. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you saw it where you are over in Scotland, I think right now. Um, the John Kerry, who is the, uh, a climate czar for Joe Biden, President Biden, um, got a, a bunch of attention here for, for, I think the phrase he used was, He's going to get more militaristic or he's going to get radical in pursuit. Nobody believes him because, as you you pointed out in another piece that you wrote at Daily Caller, you know, he jets in on his uh, on his private jet. You know, the, the Brits, the Brits came in. David Cameron came in on his private jet and the, and the uh, prime minister came on his private jet. And I mean, it, they, they're not serious, but got a lot of attention. And um, I guess, you know, with uh, Vijay, with the um, hysteria that's generated by the media, 
it does work on some people, right? It, and mostly young people, I think, and and dumb people. But it, there is a problem of the of the way people feel about these questions because of how the coverage has happened. I mean, that is a problem, right? Yeah, that is a problem. Like it's it's the case with anything, any public policy, and any anything that's uh, you know to do with truth. So when you are bombarded uh, with a lot of information, that's uh, you know, fine-tuned in a certain way to brainwash people, then it takes center stage. And when you have the backing of uh, huge uh, politicians with a lot of uh, funding, then it's quite difficult to help people understand that they are being portrayed a false sense of reality. And that's what has been happening. And it's not just the politicians. You also have climate activists who have flown to Dubai in, in, in commercial airlines from all across the world, emitting huge amounts of carbon dioxide. Uh, but they just keep on defending their own emissions and personal private jet use while asking, you know, some poor per person in Africa or South America to let go of their dream of having a car because it emits carbon dioxide. So that's the hypocrisy, level of hypocrisy. And that's the kind of, you know, mass uh, hysteria that they are dealing with. Uh, BJ Raj, again, is our guest, a research associate over at the uh, coalition, the CO2 coalition. Uh, I noticed that Poland, who is having a shift in uh, their parliament, new prime minister, um, has embraced or talked about embracing wind. They want more wind there. Um, and I don't think anyone that's serious thinks wind is a solution, uh, wind power. But I do think some people think that uh, nuclear can be uh, a piece of it. Are you seeing that uh, in the world, Vijay, in terms of the idea that there are other sources? I mean, ultimately, right now, fossil fuels are the most efficient, the most effective, the most valuable. Uh, but is the nuclear movement real? Yeah, yeah. Nuclear is, is uh, an amazing source of energy. It's just that it takes a time uh, a while and a lot of lot of uh, money uh, to build uh, safe and sound nuclear reactors so uh, of course at the end of the day you need energy that's affordable and reliable and if you leave out fossil fuels and the only option there is nuclear because all the alternative systems like hydrogen wind and solar are com uh, completely unreliable at least with hydrogen we are not sure yet how much uh, it can help us. So, but in, with wind, for for instance, uh, there was a cold wave in Europe and uh, like recently, in, a week ago. And for instance, in UK, uh, the contribution from wind was just around 3% uh, to, the, to the electricity grid right. of the entire UK. And the country had to rely on gas hmm. uh, for around 50% of its electricity need. Now, uh, on, on a good day, when wind is uh, high, you get 50% electricity from wind. But on the day when it mattered most, when people are freezing in their homes, uh, wind was just at 3%. So that's the kind of energy uh, system that we are dealing with. Uh, and I'm not sure people are aware of this and need, they need to be sensitized about this. Is the um, is the so when you see the virtue signaling of the of the of the COP meeting and uh, and the UN and all, as you mentioned, it doesn't it's not really doing anything, but it is doing something right. I guess one thing it's doing is continuing the the um, perception. But uh, I, I mean, are you worried about uh, the, the the ongoing? I mean, America, the, the Joe Biden administration has massive spending uh, on on all this green stuff that doesn't work. I mean, they, these 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 people are trying to do wealth transfer for stuff that doesn't work. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, citizens of every country must be genuinely concerned about what's happening at COP because when John uh, John Kerry uh, uh, means that he's going to be more rad- radical about this, what he means is that he he and and all his associates they'll be uh, enforcing more and more pressure upon all the political leaders across the globe to embrace policies that are very detrimental uh, to the energy security of individual countries. And that's what people have to be aware of. So it's not just uh, uh, brash talking uh, or or speaking on a live television, but rather what they are doing with the policies. And those policies are aimed at reducing energy consumption. And that's not good for any economy. It's uh, it is um, a, a amazing time, and uh, I'm glad. I'm really gr- grateful to the CO2 Coalition. Uh, uh, Vijay Raj, our guest, a research associate there, and they have him uh, writing and uh, and out there with his voice. Uh, thank you, as always, uh, for your time. We'll have you back on again very soon. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Ed. Uh, we will take a break. You're welcome. We will take a break. I'll put up a link to his two columns recently, uh, uh, The Daily Caller, uh, one I think I referred to by name, and also, of course, over the Washington Times. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a minute. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. America's great intellectual diversity sometimes manifests itself as one of her greatest weaknesses. And that is that the nation is rarely unified around one idea or one goal. Even the patriots who brought our nation out from under the tyranny of the British did so in spite of an estimated two-thirds of Americans who were either supportive of the British or simply indifferent to the cause of freedom. Yet December 7th, 1941, marked one of the few times in American history where nearly all Americans were united around a single cause. On that horrific day, exactly 83 years ago, the Japanese Imperial Navy Air Service launched a cowardly surprise attack on the unsuspecting American naval outpost in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. This attack was carried out while the U.S. and Japan were in peace negotiations before any declaration of war had even been issued. As a result, 2,403 Americans, including 68 civilians, were killed. The next day, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt delivered his renowned infamy speech, and Congress voted to declare war on Japan with only one dissenting vote. Americans rallied, overcame enormous obstacles, and moved forward with a singularity of purpose. Sacrifices were made not only by those who fought and died on the field of battle, but also by ordinary citizens who bought war bonds and planted victory gardens. Entire industries shifted to produce the materials necessary to win a total war. Everyone pitched in, and America realized victory in both the European and Pacific theaters. On this anniversary of the Pearl Harbor bombing, let us commemorate those who fought and died to preserve our freedom. Let us remember those who sacrificed so the war effort could be possible. However, let us also remember that even still today, Americans have the power to turn even the worst tragedies into the greatest stories of triumph. Although we should never cease to pray for peace for America in our time and our children's time, we must also train them to be willing to sacrifice for the continuity of liberty. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Hey, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in here again today for Mr. Ed Martin. Glad to be with you. Glad to be coming in and closing out the show. And uh, it's been a good one. It's been a really good one. We had a good time up at the front. Uh, it, I feel like it's such a huge issue talking about the left's trotting out of conspiracy theory accusations when, in fact, it's something real. It just could go on and on and on into all these different areas. It's an incredibly important topic for us to understand. Uh, but uh, I did mention at the beginning, uh, uh, today we celebrate Pearl Harbor Day. Today we honor the travesty of of a surprise attack on american soil that took the lives of just an incredible amount of americans of us servicemen and as we celebrate that and look at the history of Pearl Harbor, at the history of this attack that provoked us in uh, to the Second World War, I want to I want to capitalize off of something here and kind of segue uh, in the radio commentary that we just heard. You hear those they play every day, actually, not just on this program uh, here at the beginning of the fourth segment, uh, but those little radio commentaries, the Phyllis Schlafly Report, that plays across hundreds and hundreds of stations um, across the country. So those are being heard by a lot of folks, those little tidbits. And on days like today, we get the opportunity to talk about history, why it matters. I love that Ed ended today here. The thought that one of the things we can remember from this is that Americans have the power to, what is it that Ed said? Americans have the power to turn even the worst tragedies into the greatest stories of triumph. And you know what? That really resonates with me today, because as we are talking about um, things like we are in this first segment, that, that all of these absolutely atrocious things that are going on, if we say them out loud, if, if anyone on the right brings it up, and speaks the truth. They are immediately labeled and sectioned off as some crazy right-wing conspiracy, not to be listened to, not to be taken seriously. And you know what? We know better. We absolutely know better. That was the whole, that was the week for today. What you need to know when you hear someone, the left, say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, you know that thing is true. That's how they operate. So... With that in mind, when you look at what they are doing to society, what they're doing to our culture, what we have got to do, because they're, they're brainwashing people with this stuff from every single angle, what we have got to do is move the opposite direction. We have to go a different way. We have to tr uh, train up and raise our kids a different way. And we have got to build in new standards uh, into everyone that we can possibly reach. And I tell you what, one of the groups of people that's doing that right now, and let me pull this article up. I want to make sure I, I quote this correctly. Uh, one of the groups of people that is doing that right now uh, is the homeschool movement, which is in absolutely incredible full swing. People started seeing this kind of indoctrination. They may not uh, fully understand it every time they turn on CNN or something else. But when, when uh, 2020 hit uh, the pandemic, uh, when COVID-19 became uh, part of our normal vocabulary and everyone's uh, kids came home from school and the classrooms came onto the Zoom screen in your own home, everyone started realizing what in the world was happening in government school classrooms. 
And that, I believe, was a watershed moment for people understanding uh, the narratives that are happening right now in society, at least getting a glimpse of what's going on. That, that those of us on the right who are talking about some of these things, what the teachers are teaching your kids, uh, what these people behind the curtains of the administrative state are doing, I think it all became a lot more plausible to the everyday person out there who just kind of ignores a lot of this political news. Well, I tell you what, there has been an incredible surge in homeschooling, a massive surge in homeschooling. And I tell you what, that, that is what I, I advocate for homeschooling. You want to take control of the future of America and ensure that the coming generations are well-equipped to move forward in truth and transparency and self-governance and all of the things that make America great, all of the things that we were founded upon, get them out of government schools. In fact, get them out of systems where other people are teaching them all together and do it yourself. There is no one better equipped to train and teach and love and grow and develop your child than you. I promise. That's how it works the best. And it's it's a difficult sacrifice, but tons of people are figuring out how to make it happen. And the left can't stand it. It's striking a chord. They've always hated homeschoolers and tried to get it shut down. But apparently, this new surge of homeschooling is really striking a chord. I noticed this uh, uh, this week. The Washington Post cherry-picked a very tragic story um, of abuse and, and added it as their latest installment in what they would call a series on homeschooling. It's a smear campaign on homeschooling. And this booming homeschool movement um, is is going to be attacked more and more and more from all of the ivory towers of of the academic elite, the media elite, the government elite. They are coming from it. This is the narrative machine trying to control what you're allowed to say, what you hear, what you do. Big government, big tech, big media. These are the dangerous entities that are coming. This is this was uh, coming through in the Washington Post uh, installment, the next installment in their smear campaign. It was titled uh, What Homeschooling Hides a Boy Tortured and Starved by His Stepmom. And, and this is admittedly, this is a tragic story of neglect and abuse. This is a horrible story. But this has then been cherry picked to show the spectrum of how bad homeschoolers are. They did the same thing in, uh, if any of you recall this, uh, Shiny Happy People, the Amazon series. I don't know if anyone watched it. I'm not telling you to take your time and watch it. It's really not worth it. But this whole series, you know, you think you're going to have this little tell-all reveal behind the world of the Duggars and this very interesting, you know, what we would call maybe the fundamentalist or the incredibly conservative uh, section of Christianity. But of course, it's not just that tell-all look behind the story. What the producers of this Amazon program then do is they take their platform and decide to make vast sweeping statements like, look, this is what these people are like. We're going to cherry pick this one story and say, obviously, all Christians must be like fundamentalists and all fundamentalists want to use homeschooling as a cover to abuse their children. And then they're going to try to build these new societal mechanisms in and march forward and take over over America. It's it's just incredible. It's bonkers. And I tell you what, the more that they cherry pick these tragic stories and use it to try to smear the whole of us who are working for a better America, the more we know we're striking a chord and we're winning. Take that and put it in your cap today as a wonderful feather. We are winning. We're driving them nuts. I think there is a real resurgence of making America great again. And I'm so glad that you're here every single day as a part of it, listening to this program. We'll close it there. We're out of time. Thank you, Ed, for being a wonderful host. Mason, my co-producer, for helping me keep the trains on time. And again, thank you to you for being a part of this movement, uh, this pro-America movement. And I am grateful for you. We are all grateful for you. We look forward to having you back here tomorrow. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. In the meantime, sign up for the email, grab the podcast, send it to a friend, and we will see you back here on the program tomorrow. Have a good night.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.